Good, good morning, Westover. We're so delighted that you're here with us today. My name is Pastor Jonathan. Whether you're joining us here in the room or joining us online, we're delighted that you're here. Pastor Jim actually sends his greetings to you. He's currently en route to Tanzania. Your generosity allowed us to partner with the Assemblies of God in Tanzania to build a sanctuary, a 3,500-seat sanctuary where people and pastors can get together and experience the presence of God. And I just want to say thank you for your partnership and the way you faithfully give because it's allowed us to make an impact in a part of the world that needs Jesus, just like San Antonio does as well. So keep him in your prayers. He's going out there for the building dedication. He would crave your prayers. Thank you so much. Today I have the great privilege of continuing a series entitled Family Recipes. Family recipes. Now, we live in a time where recipes are readily available. We have cooking shows and cooking channels and tutorials on social media. And I always find I get myself in trouble when I watch those at about 10.30 at night and I get hungry and then I get hangry. I'm hoping that that doesn't happen to me today. But the truth is, is that we have family recipes that exists in our family. And so when I think of family recipes, I actually think of my abuelita's house. We called her Mama Nene, and every time we would go over to her house, it always seems like she was cooking. So 24-7, at least when I was growing up, she was cooking. And uh, one of the things that I noticed about her was that she made everything from scratch. There was never anything made from a frozen entree. She didn't go out and buy frozen lasagna and pull back the wrapper and put it in the oven. She made everything from scratch, whether it was tortillas or enchiladas or caldo or whatever she made. She made it from scratch. And one time I went up to her and I said, Abuelita, Grandma, how do you know how to make what you make? And she says, well, my my mom taught me. um, But one of the things that I do when I cook is I cook it to taste. I cook it to taste. So every once in a while, I taste what I'm making and I add different spices depending on what's missing so that the food turns out just right. And I said, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Thank you for making this food for me. And when I think of family recipes, when I was thinking about this earlier, what I realized is that that's kind of the way God is with us. He has a recipe for you and I. He has a recipe for our family and he knows just which spices to add in what specific quantity so that we can have a successful family. And I just want you to know that my prayer for you today is that God would rewrite a new recipe for you and for your family. He knows exactly what to add to your recipe so that your family can be successful. So I invite you to listen with your heart because I think God's going to give you encouragement about adding maybe a dash of one ingredient and a cup of another and maybe a gallon of another so that your family can thrive. So today I want to share with you on the topic cooking family style. Cooking family style. And I want to invite you to join me in 2 Peter chapter 1 in verse 3. So join me there. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. And I want to pause there and say, God wants to give you everything you need for a godly life. He will give you everything. He won't leave you in the dark. He'll give you what you need so that your family can thrive through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Verse 5, For this very reason, make every effort 
What this means is take every opportunity to add to your faith goodness. Now, the Apostle Peter, what he's doing here is he's beginning a recipe. He's saying, add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. Verse 8 says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what we want, what we want you to know, notice here is that God wants us to be effective and productive, but it requires us to add these ingredients in increasing measure to our family recipe. And again, I want you to know that God has a new recipe for you so that your family can thrive. And if there's one thing that I want you to leave with today, it's this, is that strong faith is God's recipe for an effective and productive family. If you are wanting to have an effective and productive family, it requires faith. And if you notice in the passage, the first ingredient that's on the list is faith. Here at Westover, one of our other core values is strong faith builds strong families. Faith is the foundation. It is the base It is the starting point. Just like every recipe has a base ingredient, has the most important ingredient in our life and in our family, faith is the most important. We have to start there. If we add all these other ingredients, but we don't have faith, we won't have a complete recipe. We won't be effective and productive. So we must start with faith. And that's that's our willingness to say, God, I want you to lead my family. I want you to be in charge of my family. That's what faith does for us. So I want to share with you five ingredients to add to faith to build a strong family. So parents, I want you to listen carefully. God wants us to be effective and productive. And if we add these ingredients, we will discover that he will help us be effective and productive. Ingredient number one, start with kindness. Because kindness adds brightness. Verse five says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Another word for goodness is kindness. It's much easier to explain to kids what kindness is. You tell them, be good, and they're like, well, I don't know what that means. But if you tell them to be kind, they understand how to live that out. And kindness adds brightness to everything and everyone. Kindness adds brightness to everything and everyone. It's just like there's certain ingredients. When you add them to a dish, it makes everything in the dish brighter. The same is with kindness. And the way you know kindness is being lived out in your home is when there are smiles and laughter. When I see my daughter being kind to her friends, I smile. When I see my son finally being kind to his sister, I smile. When I see your kids open up the doors for other people as we come in the church, I smile. When I see your teenagers serving in kids' ministry, I smile. Because kindness adds brightness to everything and everyone. But we as parents, we must cultivate kindness in our home. We must be diligent about adding this ingredient each and every day into our home. And so one of the ways that we can do that is by doing a kindness challenge. And it's simply this. You decide for a specified amount of time, whether it's just a week or maybe a month, and you assign and you you partner with your kids and students to decide which ingredient they want to add, which activity they want to add to their behaviors each and every day so that they can demonstrate kindness. So for example, you may have your your little three or four year old daughter have her walk around and wave and say hello to everyone. Maybe for your fourth grade son, you have him open doors 
Maybe for your ninth grade daughter, what you have her do is she carries around some sticky notes and everywhere she goes, she writes a notes, of, a notes of encouragement, maybe to the cashier, maybe to the server at the restaurant, just to spread kindness. But I want to encourage the adults in the room, it starts with us. We must be willing to demonstrate kindness in the way we treat our kids, the way we treat our spouse. We must live with kind words and kind actions because we can't expect our kids to follow what we just say. They must follow what we do and we must model that because what we model they follow so i want to encourage you add to your family recipe kindness it'll add brightness to your family number two knowledge add knowledge to your family recipe because knowledge adds depth verse five says this and to goodness knowledge now have you ever gone out to eat and you're expecting a great meal and all of a sudden you, you are there and you get your first entree and you realize it's going to be a terrible experience <laughs> where the service is poor and the chicken is dry and the potatoes are cold and the salsa is watered down and even the tortilla chips are stale. Have you ever had that experience? <laughs> yes, all of us have had that. Now, if that's your experience at home, don't look at your spouse right now and don't elbow them. <laughs> I'm trying to help you out. You might be fasting for the next week. I'm trying to help you out. Don't add that to your family recipe. But the truth is, part of the reason why we have a poor experience is because either somebody or everybody at the restaurant doesn't know what they're doing. That's why we have a bad experience. But on the other hand, when there are people at the restaurant who really know what they're doing, they can take ordinary ingredients and transform them into extraordinary experience. Because here's the truth about life. Knowledge transforms ordinary occurrences into extraordinary experiences. Knowledge, what it does is it gives us power. It gives us the ability to go to the next level in our experience, in our parenting. Now, some of you may be saying, yeah, pastor, I know. I want extraordinary. But what you don't understand is that I have an ordinary life. My spouse is checked out. My kids frustrate me, and even the dog won't listen to me. You don't understand. I live in a mundane experience. And then when I go on social media, I get even more discouraged because I see perfect vacations and perfect smiles and perfect family photos and everybody's put together and the car's always clean and it's perfect, perfect, perfect and I can't compete with that. Well, I have a secret for you. It's not reality. It's not reality. Don't get Instagram envy. Don't compare your everyday to someone else's highlight reel. What you don't realize is that there are 67 other photos on the camera roll where everybody's like this and crazy expressions and that there are bribes. There are 10, 15, 20 bribes just to get that one photo. There are balloons, promises of balloons and candy and ice cream and new golf clubs and doggy biscuits uh, for the dog, not the kids. Uh, And so what you have to realize is that it's not reality. And so don't compare your everyday to someone else's highlight reel. Stay encouraged. But I want you to know that if you're really truly struggling and you're dealing with temper tantrums at home or maybe attitude or maybe unhealthy behaviors, I want you to know that there's hope today. There's hope today. And it's found in adding knowledge to your family recipe. And knowledge is really right at our fingertips. You can subscribe to a blog or, or, or listen to a podcast or purchase a couple books or even 
even rent books for free from the library, or you can even join classes. There are ways for you to add knowledge to your family recipe. In fact, we have a couple classes that we've designed specifically with you in mind. We mentioned them earlier, but it's worth mentioning them again. We have a class called The Art of Parenting. And the whole purpose for this class is to equip you with practical tips that will help you be effective and productive in your parenting. It'll help you get past some of the struggles and the challenges because knowledge adds depth to our capacity to address the challenges in life. And knowledge can do that for you. And if you're looking for knowledge in your relationship, maybe in your marriage, we want to invite you to join the Art of Marriage. My wife and I are going to be co-teaching this class with some other couples, and we'd love to invite you. We want to equip you to thrive in your marriage, to go from good to great. So we invite you to be a part of that. And just to make it super convenient, right at the end of service, we have some people over there in the Resource Center who would love to help you get registered and answer any questions that you may have about this class. We want you to add knowledge to your family recipe so that you can be effective. The third ingredient I want to add to our family recipe is perseverance. And perseverance adds consistency. Now, when something is consistent, it is repeated time and time again. And I don't know about you, but with my kids, I want them to have a consistent life. I want them to have a consistent attitude. We're working on it. Pray for us. We want them to have a consistent behavior at school. We want them to be consistent in their grades. We want them to be consistent in their pursuit of God. Consistency is fantastic. But the way that we cultivate consistency in the family is through perseverance. And another word to help us understand that is the word grit. The word grit. And as I was thinking about this point, I was reminded by something that I remembered my grandfather talking to me about. Both of my grandfathers were actually World War II veterans. And if there's anybody who served, thank you for your service. But one of the things that was a hallmark of that generation was this statement. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. They knew what true grit was. And true grit says, I'll never quit. I'll never quit. The challenge, though, the challenge, though, is the fact that our kids and our students live in a culture of comfort. They are more comfortable today than kids and students have ever been in all of life. They have AC, they have more toys than they can play with, they have multiple video game systems, they're able to watch videos on road trips. I don't know about you, but when I went on road trips, I had to stare outside the window. (laughs) And I had to look at the white line, click, 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 for miles and miles and miles. I didn't have any video games. I didn't have any movies. My kids, they don't understand how comfortable they have it. And some of you are complicit in the comfort because some of you complain about some things as well. This is possibly where some of your kids get it. Some of you complain about how long the line is at H-E-B. How long the line is at H-E-B. And some of you, you even complain that the Wi-Fi is way too slow. My Wi-Fi is too slow. I want to remind you there was a day when you had dial-up. And God taught you patience then. And so whenever you see the buffering on your internet, I want you to say, praise God, thank you for teaching me patience. God is trying to teach you patience through the buffering. But oh, this is something that's, that, that's a personal challenge for me. Uh, some of you complain in the drive through at Whataburger. 
Now get this, you drive up, you tell somebody what you want, you go up and you pay, they put your food in your car, and yet you still complain. And the reason you complain is because the attendant gave you one packet of ketchup. Now I know this from personal experience, there's some people in my family who will remain unmentioned uh, that, that complain about ketchup, uh, and I'm going to tell you, all of you, not my family, that you can survive on one ketchup packet because if I talk to my family, I might be fasting. So help me out. You can survive. Fortunately for us, God has given us a pathway for confronting complacency, confronting comfort. I've discovered that comfort is the enemy of consistency and the cousin of complacency. Comfort and complacency, they run together. And they are the enemy of consistency. And as parents, we have the opportunity and the responsibility to confront complacency. I've discovered that God disrupts our comfort to confront our complacency. God disrupts our comfort to confront our complacency. And some of us as parents, we need to decide today that we are going to disrupt the comfort and the complacency that exists in our kids and our students' lives so that they can become all that God has ordained for them to become. We must be willing to do that. And the way that we do that is by growing grit. Because when we grow grit, it produces greatness. Grit grows greatness in our kids and our students' lives. They may grit their teeth today, but they will be grateful tomorrow. And just to add a little more incentive to you and I to instill grit in their life, I want to give you two incentives here. Number one, grit is a greater predictor of future success than talent or IQ. What that means is that grit will take your kids and students further. Their courage to keep going in the face of adversity will take them further in life than talent or IQ. And secondly, this is an example from nature. An oyster can only produce a pearl when grit is introduced into its life. In order for something of great value to be cultivated in the life of the pearl, it requires grit to be introduced. And I don't know about you, but I want my kids to have a life that has meaning and that has purpose and that has great value. And so I'm going to take the challenge and instill grit in their life because God determines and he wants them to be great. So how do we do this? Let me share with you four grit growing activities, four activities that we can instill in our family that will grow grit in their life. Number one, give them tasks that are outside their comfort zone, like cutting the grass, watering the grass outside, maybe moving heavy boxes, maybe vacuuming. I did all those things and I turned out all right. And so were your kids as well. And if they struggle, maybe they're little. If they struggle, be willing to help them out, but don't do it for them. You need to give them some opportunity to challenge and to struggle and work through it so that they can cultivate some grit and some perseverance in their life. Number two, celebrate growth and not accomplishment. Celebrate growth and not accomplishment. We live in a culture that celebrates accomplishment. The first prize, the trophy, the first place ribbon. There's so much celebration around that. But inevitably, there's always going to be somebody who doesn't win. And most of the time in life, we're not going to get the first place trophy. We're going to experience disappointment. So how do we help our kids and students keep going even in the face of adversity? We celebrate growth. We celebrate growth. And this is what it sounds like. We say to them, I am so proud of the fact that you kept going and you didn't quit. 
You were about to quit, but you kept going. You are courageous. You're willing to push forward. I'm so proud of you because what we celebrate gets replicated. What we value is the thing that they will embrace and they will live out in their life. And grit is one of those things that's indispensable for the future success of your kids and your students. Number three, teach them how to fail forward. Thomas Edison is widely credited with inventing the light bulb. And one time he was being interviewed by a reporter and they came up to him and they said, Mr. Edison, what's it like to fail a thousand times? Because there were about a a thousand tries to making the light bulb. And he said this, and I want to get it right. He said, I didn't fail a thousand times. The light bulb was an invention with a thousand steps. What if he would have quit on the 900th try or the 999th try? We wouldn't have light bulbs today. But he had grit. He had the courage to keep going. And he had the mindset to say, it's just one more step. It's just one more step. It's just one more step. Which brings me to the fourth and final way to grow grit is to teach them not to stop and not to quit in the valley. And I I don't know who this is for today. Maybe it's for your kids and students, but maybe it's for you. And this has been something that's been burning in my spirit all week. And it's this, don't quit in the valley. Don't quit in the valley. Keep going. Keep pursuing God. Keep chasing God. Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through The darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God promises to be with us in the valley. He is going to lead us forward. And sometimes going through the valley is necessary to get us to our destiny. Someone once said this, and I want you to listen carefully. God will not protect you from what he will perfect you through. God will not protect you from what he will perfect you through. And I want to tell somebody today, sometimes the valley is necessary. Sometimes the valley is necessary, but keep going. Keep chasing after God. Keep pursuing God. Keep going through the valley. God will be with you. He will strengthen you. He will encourage you. Don't quit. Help your kids and students not quit so that they can be effective and productive and godly as the word of God says. Which leads me to our next ingredient, number four, which is friendships. Friendships, they add flavor. Friendships, they add flavor. Verses six and seven say this, and a perseverance, mutual affection. Another way to understand mutual affection is brotherly love or friendships. And just like there are ingredients that add encouraging and flavorful notes to a meal, or there are also other ingredients that we can add that add add bitter notes to a meal, The same is true in our friendships. There are friendships that add an enriching and a more positive experience for our kids and our students. There are also friendships that will get our kids and students on the wrong path. Friendships are important, and I want you to listen to this. Proverbs tells us, Walk with the wise and become wise, but associate with fools and get in trouble. 1 Corinthians also tells us, Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And as we're on the cusp of a new school year, I want you to think about this. And I did the math, and what I found out is that your kids and your students are going to spend approximately 1,500 hours with kids and students that you don't know. And kids and students that may not have your values. And in order to combat that, I want to invite you to be courageous, to put your kids and students in kids and student ministry. 
Because we want them to connect with friendships who are going to add a positive and encouraging experience to their life, who are going to encourage them to chase God. I know it's super easy and convenient to have them here with you in service, but part of the reason why we want them in kids and student ministry is so they can make friends with people who love Jesus. Give us the opportunity to advance them in that regard. But it doesn't stop there. We as adults, we need friendships as well. We love having you here. We love to watch you worship. We love the opportunity and the privilege to allow you to experience God's word. But there's something magical that happens when we cultivate friendships in the body of Christ. And we do that through life groups here at Westover. And you'll discover that life groups will add life and flavor to your life. They'll take you to the next level. And life groups is really all about growing together in relationship and growing together as we fully pursue God together. That's what life groups do. And so if you're on the fence and you're, oh, I'm not sure, be willing to talk to one of us on the team or maybe some of our welcome team and we'd love to help you get connected to a life group so you don't have to do life alone. Now, some of you, God has been whispering to you for some time about starting a life group. He's been whispering. He's been saying, start a life group, start a life group. And you've been like, oh, I'm not sure. I want you to know that your friendship may be the flavorful note that someone else needs in their life. Look around. Could it be possible that there's somebody sitting right next to you who could benefit from your friendship? Somebody here needs to know that God is taking you through some things, that he has led you through the valley of the shadow of death and that you're still standing and that you can still keep going. There are people who are struggling who need to know that God will be with them in the valley and your friendship can be the catalyst to them discovering that. And I just want to challenge you and invite you to take that next step. Come to the training. Learn about what it means to start a life group. And if you decide at the training that you're not ready just yet, that's perfectly okay. But we'd love the privilege of telling you what it means to start a life group and how you can do it. So we invite you to join one of our training opportunities coming up. Which leads me to our fifth and final ingredient, which is love. And love, it adds sweetness. Love adds sweetness. Verse 7 says, to mutual affection, love. Love is the whipped cream and the cherry on top of life. It is the hot fudge and the powdered sugar in life. It is the thing that makes everything better. And I was thinking about this in 1 Corinthians, in the love chapter, chapter 13, we see it end by saying this, and these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And I began to think about this verse, the verses that we just read, and what I noticed is that it, it starts with faith and it ends with love. And I just want to suggest to you that the, that the other ingredients that we mention are the ingredients that offer hope to you. They're the ones that offer hope to you. There is hope for you today if you're willing to add these ingredients to your family recipe. But love is sweet to every relationship. And to help us understand why love is so important, I want you to think about the last time you went out to eat. Do you remember the last time you went out to eat? You took everybody out. Everybody in the family got to choose what they wanted, right? And if you're dessert people, everybody got to choose dessert. Now, I got to eat about half of my dessert because my wife extends to me the great privilege of sharing my dessert with her. She is gracious. I'll end with that. I don't want to fast. So I just want you to know 
that love is the thing that makes a difference in the family. And to kind of help us understand this a little bit more, I want to share with you about the five love languages. Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. And the whole idea is that everybody has a different love language. Everybody experiences love in a different way. Everybody has a different preference for love. And I want to share with you the five love languages here with us today. Words of affirmation, which are positive words, quality time, gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. These are the five love languages. And I want to pause, and I want you to think about the people who are in your home. I want you to imagine their faces for a moment. And in just a moment right now, I'm going to share with you what each of these love languages sounds like. And I want you over the next week to pay attention to what they're saying because what they're saying will communicate to you the love language that they want and that they prefer. Listen to this. Words of affirmation. People who want that love language, they'll say, how do I look? Or what do you think of what I did? Or how did I do? When it's quality time, they'll say something like, spend time with me. Or let's do this together. People who want gifts, they'll say, did you bring me something? Or are you going to bring me something? Acts of service, they'll say, can you help me with something? Can you do this for me? Can you help me out here? And physical touch is usually a lot of times nonverbal. They'll come up and they'll want to hug. And they'll want to hold your hand. When you experience that, don't send them away. I know that you're busy. I know that you've got a lot going on. But when that's their love language and we are not mindful of their love language, we push them away. Be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to quicken your heart so that you can show love to them in the way that he designed them. Affirm it, parents. Be willing to do this with your kids and students. I've discovered that sweet families, they love each other. They love each other extravagantly. They love each other and they are intentional and they tailor their love to each person. Don't show love in the way that you understand it. Show love in the way that makes sense to them. It'll make a difference. As I close, I wanna bring this together for us. God has given us a recipe for the family. And at the very beginning, I mentioned to you that strong faith builds strong families. But I wanna suggest to you that not only does it build strong families, but it also builds godly families. Strong faith builds godly families. Verse three says, for he has given us everything we need for a godly life. The finished recipe, the finished entree is a godly family. God wants us to have a godly family And a godly family is effective and productive. So if you have a desire in your heart for your family to be effective and productive, be willing to add these ingredients to your life and to your family recipe and you'll become godly and then your family will become effective and productive. And at this time, I wanna invite you to stand. We've learned about five ingredients for a strong family, but as I said, their ingredients for a godly family, kindness, knowledge, perseverance, friendships, and love. And I want to speak to the parents today. Each person in your home has a different ingredient that they need from you. And I want to invite you to be courageous to add the ingredient in the amount that they need. 
And it's different for each kid and each student and each spouse. It's different. Maybe for your spouse, they need a cup of love. Maybe for your four-year-old, they need a little dash of kindness. Maybe for your teenager, they need a gallon of perseverance and grit. Whatever it is, be willing to add it. So I want to ask, and I'm asking your heart, what ingredient, if added to each relationship, will make your family more effective and more productive? What ingredient is it? Is it kindness? Is it love? Is it affection? Is it hugs? What is it? Whatever it is, be courageous to add that to their life. And I wanna give one final suggestion. Some of us as parents, we are so used to saying no to everything. It's no, 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 no. I wanna invite you to replace the word no with the word instead. Just like when you go to a restaurant and you ask for a specific entree and they don't have it, and they say, we don't have this, but we have this instead. If you're stuck at an impasse and there's a lot of friction and a lot of difficulty, replace the word no with the word instead. It'll help the conversation and the relationship keep going. And now I wanna invite you, I wanna invite you, if you have your spouse with you, you can hold them by the hand or you can turn towards one another. And I want you to begin to call out the people in your family, each family member. And maybe there's one child that you're really having a difficult time with. And I want you, as we pray, to call out their name and ask God to, at the moments that you need it, that he will provide and remind you of the ingredients that you can add to their life so they can be effective and productive, so they can be godly, so they can accomplish all that God has planned for them. We have the great privilege, parents, to do that. And so I want to invite you to bow your heads. Let's go to the Lord. God, we come to you. You have begun to rewrite our family recipe, and we're here to say yes to you. We're here to say, yes, Lord, we will add these ingredients in increasing measure so that our family will be effective and productive, but ultimately that they will be godly and that they will reflect you. And I pray for every parent here as they're calling out the names of each of their kids and their students and their spouse, that God, you would give them wisdom about which ingredients to add in what quantities at just the right time so that they can be effective and productive in their family. You want us as families to shine in the culture. And I pray, Lord, that these families would be courageous to do just that. And I pray a special prayer for our step parents. They've stepped in and they've stepped up. And I pray, Lord, that you'd quicken their hearts about what ingredients to add and what quantity for their kids and for their spouse, but especially for the relationship with their stepkids. Maybe it's more kindness. Maybe it's more love. Maybe it's more understanding. Lord, you know what each child needs. And I pray, Lord, that you'd whisper that through your Holy Spirit. And to our single parents, I pray that you'd give them a double portion of your presence that they would experience you fully. God, that you would give them extra margin and extra capacity and give them in the right dosage, the love and that the friendships that they need. God, may they discover friendships with other people who love you so they can have support and they can be encouraged today. I pray, Lord, that you would just encourage your people today. They need to experience you in a new way today. Rewrite our family recipe. And we entrust this to you 
in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. We are so delighted that you joined us today. If you're wanting to sign up for either of the classes, join us in the Resource Center. God bless you, and you are dismissed.